All righty, Dylan. It's Sunday night. The PGA Tour is still going. They, Kramer Hickok and, and Harris English are on the eighth hole currently of the Travelers Championship. And you and I just, we became impatient. So let's press record, dive into it, react to that, how it happens. But start with the LPGA Tour and Nelly Corda's victory at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. Uh, she is a major champion now, 22 years old, and it feels like late, right? Like people are people are reacting as if she's like <laughs> off the schneid now. It's like she's 22. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, we need to take a step back here really first to just establish the scene. We've got like the backup standard bearer is walking down the eighth playoff hole here at TPC River Highlands. Um, the, the men's side of the game has gone mental here. Um, I'm in Hawaii right now, Sean. So it's 2 PM was hoping to really get out for a nice afternoon. I'll, I'll, I'll let everyone else play, you know, the world's tiniest violins for me, but, um, this playoff has been going on for a couple hours before that. We actually had a pretty fun, exciting day of golf in the women's game. Nellie Corda threw down, made two massive eagles uh, in the final round and basically you know used one of those in particular to turn a one shot lead into a four shot lead slam the door um on lizette salas and yeah i mean just take the final step into superstardom in the women's game it's it's big i mean she's world number one she's the first american major winner since 2018 she's the first american world number one since 2014 um so yeah i mean it's hard to overstate like just how much this means it's funny to think that at 22 it felt like man you know sort of surprised she doesn't want a major yet but (laughs) here we are congrats to nelly no real reason to think this shouldn't be the first of many i kind of expected her whenever she was going to do it almost to do it in this fashion or like it needed to happen in this fashion Mm -hmm. where she wins by multiple strokes, she really only had one opponent that was sticking with her the entire time. She has not exactly played great clutch golf down the stretch in majors. So you know, I think that was maybe a thing for her. She she had yeah. a little bit of scar tissue and she needed to break through it. And it always helps to just be flushing everything, getting lucky breaks. She talked about it in her press conference afterwards that – she definitely lucked out a little bit out there today, and you have to have luck to win. Everyone says yeah. that. So, yeah, the, in a way, she is the ascendant star. But I just I, – I try not to rush to, like, crown these people with big, like, big-time status in the game. She is number one player in the world, but she's not exactly, like, the most out there personality-wise. She isn't – you know, she isn't getting the Lexi – thompson treatment that lexi was Mm. like crowned like the future of american golf and has been Mm. there now for years and years and years i think i think we have a lot more uh maturation to see from nelly honestly and she'd probably agree with that too so like i i just don't want to like put all these expectations on her like she needs to win a major next year she needs to Oh, wow. The playoff's over. <laughs> yeah, I would like to pause in the action here. Congratulations to Harris English. Finally ended this Travelers Championship. He poured in, uh, what was that, a 12-footer? Hit it, w- uh, it with some authority, a too. Bit, a little bit longer than that. And that thing just dived in the left. Yeah, maybe 15 feet. Um, let, let, let's see. Congratulations let's see what, uh, to Harry. 
16 feet, according to Shot Tracker. All right, 16. 16 footer for Harry English. Your it's fifth, about time. I was hopeful that. Your multiple winner this year, Sean. I, I was sort of surprised when they said that. Now five guys have won twice, including the honorable Jason Kokrak. I was a, I was a little worried that, you know, we, we go live as the playoffs on its eighth hole and they just go like 13 holes and we don't ever finish the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Definite well, possibility. Thank you to, to Harris English for ending that. Um, I think that there's actually a there's a couple of tropical cocktails that I had my eye on that I think a couple hours from now after, you know, polish off another another article here for golf.com, we could uh, we could have that in our future. All right, but Nellie Corda, to your point, I think she is a more complete superstar than the other players you've mentioned, especially now. I think that there's I think that there's something good about the fact that we didn't crown her too early that she hasn't been overexposed in the spotlight and that she can really mature in real time you know 22 is really young but it's not whatever Lexi was when she was becoming famous like yeah. 14 or Michelle Wee like you know having the pressure to make cuts on the PGA tour when she was like 16 so mm-hmm. I think that there's a natural evolution to her game that has been pretty healthy and I just can't believe the combination of uh, overwhelming skill and talent and power that she has. So she seems to have this athletic advantage, but then she also seems to have this advantage of being able to still, she calls it blacking out, where she just goes on runs of birdies. You know, I, I, I normally think of this raw athleticism as something that translates to an overall advantage, but doesn't necessarily have that like machine like quality to it of making birdie after birdie after birdie. But she made eight in a row at one point this week. She is uh, what if I do some quick math, I think 44 under par her last two weeks combined in her two wins. So, yeah, it's good to resist being a prisoner of the moment. I fully support that. But I think. You know, credit where it's due because Nellie Corda is an incredibly good golfer and seems head and shoulders above the rest of the American talent right now. What I think is also in her corner is the fact that her family is filled with athletes. Like, mm. I, I think for anyone, uh, male or female, it's just easy to to become complacent at some point in your in your professional career. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be an athletics thing, but she literally has her blood pushing her to reach new heights at all times. You know, Jessica Corda is like basically her number one supporter. Mm-hmm. Her brother is rising talent in the in the tennis game. He's playing Wimbledon this year. Like he's ascended himself. Like if you want to be the best athlete in your family, you kind of have to be one of the top five golfers in the world for Nelly Corda. Like the, the stakes only get higher. Uh, you, there's inner bragging rights within the family. It's pretty darn cool. They're all, I think they all might be Olympians. Um, I'm not sure. It's if, kind of if, if crazy. The, the brother made it. Yes. Sebastian, I think he's probably underrated at this point as a tennis player. Yeah. I mean, I remember when, you know, first hearing about it, it was like, Oh, you know, that's an, that's a nice story. Their little brother, he's pretty good at sports too. <laughs> But now like, he's legit. He won a uh, ATP event, I think, a couple weeks yep. ago. Um, he's no Steven Spieth. So yeah, I mean, I think that there is something very real to that. That these are not just 
talented golfers, but they did grow up, you know, being athletes, competing with each other within the family. Um, there, the age gap is, I think, more than people sometimes realize. Like they didn't really grow yeah. up playing in the same golf tournaments or anything like that. Um, but now they sure are, and the, and Jessica is having a really good season, but Nelly has just taken it uh, that one step further. So I'm really curious to see if we're going to get to know her more. Um, yeah, she's not been overexposed. We she's a nope. fairly private person. She's not. Um, She's not overly protective. I think it's just not in her nature to overshare yes. um, yep. in interviews. Like it's not like she's declining interviews or, you know, sidestepping questions. She just seems to keep the world at arm's length, which is probably a healthy way to approach things. She, she's got aspects of Dustin Johnson to her. Oh, the athletic ability, the the ability to just go on these birdie runs that are ridiculous, the uh, natural tendency to keep things inward as opposed to sharing them, mm -hmm. uh, tall and lanky and like very angular with, with her, her, her golf swing. Yeah. There's, there's something there. Um, I, I thought what was very interesting in her press conference afterward is that she said, yeah, I'm 22, but you are forced into maturing basically when you are on the tour at such a young age, which makes sense. I mean, these are competing against people that are sometimes twice your age, but she said, I feel like I'm 30, mm. uh, which makes sense. I mean, you have to, especially for the women's game in which not as much, uh, there isn't, I guess, as rosy of a path for professionals, uh, as there might be in the men's game, like you have to book hotels, you have to book flights, you have to, you generally are, you're doing a lot of this stuff, especially early in your career, you're handling a lot of things. You just have to mature, you know, she's, she's seven years younger than both of us and has lived through a lot of stuff <laughs> through being on tour. I was going to say, I've, I'm almost 30 and I feel like I'm 22. So maybe she should get into golf writing, keep yeah. you young. But the point is, like, we age is very much uh, a number, and you know it's a it's a cliched saying, but it, it very much rings true when you have these people that the the women basically that are that start playing professional golf at like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. It's just they got to grow up quick, and sometimes we don't let them, and sometimes we force them to, and it's just a very tricky game for them to play. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I was wondering if she was enjoying today's round. It seemed like she actually really was until there was a moment on 15 where uh, she had a little bit of shades of Keegan Bradley at the 2011 PGA. Um, she dumped it in the right water and made double bogey. And all of a sudden, uh, Lizette had a, a decent, she had an outside look at birdie and it felt like, oh, maybe the tournament could tighten up. But then she really just you know, strangled the tournament with three pars on the way home. 17, 148-yard par three. She pulled pitching wedge over hmm. the water. Um, so, I mean, she hits it long. She is a better golfer than uh, anybody that we know. And uh, just <laughs> overall an extremely, extremely impressive, like birdie barrage all four days, including a couple eagles today. So, yeah, big shout-out to Nelly Corda. Well-earned. Many more ahead. 
Yeah, I don't know exactly what the LPGA Tour had to do for its scheduling purposes with the the Olympics. Um, they've actually like kind of laid out for the Olympics, which has been great. Um, but it, gosh, mm-hmm. it, it felt so quick to turn around and have another major championship in the women's game. We went from the women's U.S. Open so quickly into the men's U.S. Open, and then the week after the men's U.S. Open, all of a sudden it's the KPMG women's mm-hmm. PGA and. Uh, I think that that probably hurt hurts the tournament eyeballs wise a little bit. Uh, just such a quick turnaround. There's only so much golf that people really really want to watch. But uh, either way, pretty pretty big victory in, in American women's golf. I would love for the the men's game to lay out also when the women are playing a major in in some way shape or form. Whether it's you know the men playing earlier in the day. Um, or just something because so many people have it baked into their Sunday schedule to watch the PGA Tour, which is great. We love that. Um, but it's tricky to have, you know, Nelly Corda coming down 18 and, you know, Harris English is making a big putt on 18 at the pretty much the exact yeah. same moment. Uh, just, you know, unless you've got a nice two screen setup, you're probably missing something. And I, I don't, I think that divides instead of you know builds up the potential total viewership yeah definitely definitely rings true and you could not possibly see that in other sports like they play the Wimbledon finals on different days Mm -hmm. they play the NBA and WNBA playoffs are nowhere near each other yeah it's just you're setting up competition against yourselves golf come on guys be better Um, um okay let's move on to the PGA Tour, but before we do that, shout out to Megan McLaren, who won on the Symmetra Tour. She is very different than Nelly Corda. She is an open book. She literally writes <laughs> her feelings out on a website, on her own blog. It's really, really good. Uh, I've talked to her about it. She is very different than Nelly Corda. You should check her out if you get the chance. Do a little reading about golf. Uh, yeah, I get lines. a little triggered when I see someone that's better at you know golf and writing. Um, mm. That combination is is tough. So you know, it's definitely a little shot at the bow when she can be <laughs> a golf blogger and then also go ahead and win a big golf yeah, tournament. Yeah, be but a pro golfer. Hey, you're trying to do to the Megan. same thing. Maybe you should ask her for some tips. Hey, how do oh. you be good at both? How do you be good at both, Sean? I got to tell you something. I accomplished a milestone yesterday. I played golf in Hawaii, my 50th state of playing golf. Wow. 18 in America, yeah. finally complete. Are we going to get like an extended the, version? The, the director's the cut? Uh, if people would buy copies, then I think that that's a pretty good idea for re-release. <laughs> so anyway, uh, personal accomplishment. Uh, Shout out to, to me and to all my Hawaiian fans. Very proud of you. Um, Thank you. On the PGA Tour, as we teased out in this very meandering podcast, Harris English won in an eight-hole playoff at the Travelers Championship, a pretty wacky Sunday in which you had uh, numerous players entertain the lead and then literally throw up on themselves is kind of a, a joke I like to say, but Bubba Watson literally said that he puked on himself. Um, he didn't literally puke on himself, but it's figurative form of speech about just completely just choking at the end kind of I mean what did he do in the last five holes six over six over on the last five 
Yeah, you look at Bubba, you look at Russell Henley, who was uh, 11 under with four holes to play, including 15, which is a, a birdie hole. He finished double, double, par, par. So uh, he did not say anything about throwing up, but he definitely was also there and then vanished. Somehow he ended up with, yeah, Harris English and Kramer Hickok, um, who both played really well on the last day. Mark Leishman almost snuck in there, shot 64 to finish one shot outside that playoff. Um, but yeah, it was two entire golf tournament days. I mean, <laughs> eight hole playoff. I think it's tied for the longest ever. Uh, and they just made no. par after par after par. No, it's not tied for the longest ever. Oh, all right. Was there an 11 hole playoff at some, there point? was an 11 hole playoff that ended as a tie due to darkness, which is pretty awesome. I was kind of it's, hoping this might get there. It sounds they, intensely un-American to me. They, they tied in the dark, uh, 11 holes, and they said, you know what? <laughs> we don't need to come back tomorrow. <laughs> we got places to be and people to see. There have been many eight-hole playoffs, about five of them, um, this being the most recent iteration. And my question for you is if you told – like, all, what was interesting is that they made uh, 15 pars and then the birdie was the winner. So 14 pars to start. Par, 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 par both of those guys. So if you told two PGA tour players that they had to make par on a driver wedge hole, like they played you, you, you can't make birdie. You also cannot make bogey. So like just aim for the center of the pin or center of the flight, Mm -hmm. center of the green, excuse me, just make a par hit the green and two putt. Like, how long do you think they could go? Could they play, like, 18 holes? Wow. That's a great question. If the only goal was par. Well, I would say no, because the Travelers is this tricky, like, TPC River Highlands is this tricky golf course where, um, I think Mark Leishman actually was talking about it, where he said, uh, All right, here's what he said. I think it's just a really fun golf course because if you hit good shots, you can give yourself a lot of chances for birdies. But if you're just a little bit off, it kicks your butt. You can make make bogeys from nowhere, it seems. So I do think that there are typically bogeys that are lurking. And these guys, the way they were making pars, they they were making like six, eight, ten-foot putts on every single hole. Like they were kind of scraping it around. Some of these pars were extremely sketchy. Um, Even the... The third playoff hole they played, the 17, they each had uh, 25 or 30 feet for birdie. And then Hickok hit his first putt like 8 or 10 feet by. And then Harris English hit his like 5 or 6 feet by. So even when it seemed like a simple par, it wasn't really. So I think a lot of things had to actually come together for them to make this many pars. But if you you just had them on a – you know, if you took them out to your average – local course and the greens were in reasonable condition yeah i think they could make pars for a very long time just maybe not on this exact golf course kevin kisner 18 pars on thursday wow bogey free see that bogey free birdie free 70 uh well did we learn anything i mean maybe we learned that Harris English is probably going to be on the Ryder cup team. The guy was now won twice this year. He won in Hawaii earlier this year. He's probably played the best golf of his life in the last, what, 18 months. He had a really good stretch at the 
the end of like calendar year 2020 and then kind of dipped during the beginning part of 2021. And now it's kind of ascendant again. He, I don't know, man. This is a guy who's won many times on the PGA Tour now. A handful of times. And yeah. He hits the ball really straight. He hits it plenty far. Pretty darn good iron player. Like, I know that the American team is super deep. But at some point, you got to go with guys who've won. Yeah, well, the guy just finished third at the U.S. Open last week. It was the quietest third place of all time. And I guess it's pretty fitting that this was an extremely quiet victory until he got to the 18th hole, made a 28-footer to get into this playoff with a great fist pump and then won with another really great fist pump just a few minutes ago. So I think everyone has maybe not been in denial about the Harris English era, but I mean, he was outside the top 300 in the world just a couple of years ago, became a top 10, maybe not machine, but certainly a regular in the top 10 in 2020. And then, um, got that victory at the tournament of champions earlier this year. And now, Man, I just can't believe that he's going to be on this Ryder Cup team with all the stuff we we talk about and think about, projecting out the models, who's going to end up on that team, who's going to be a pick. He's got to be right there now, doesn't he? It's, I mean, is, it's he, is like he a him. lock? That's why the, I think Steve Stricker is going to start to have a really, really difficult job, like extremely difficult job. And now, you know, you and I are playing into the fact that we discuss the Ryder Cup on every single podcast, but what else matters uh, I don't know. This It's just <clears throat> such a good way to contextualize where these guys are in the game. Harris English was number 13 in the standings going into this week, so he's going to you know, move well into that top 10. He's going to move up probably probably a couple spots. There's a decent yeah. gap between him and like Spieth at 10, but Spieth, is playing, like, Spieth doesn't have to make the team on points. Spieth's going to be on that I will confess I do not know how many – Ryder Cup points you get for winning the Travelers Championship. So we're going to have to go to the go to the board get, on that one. Yeah, you get a point for every uh $1,000. Oof. So well, you made a, yeah. a lot of $1,000. No, excuse me. You get a, you get 1.5 points for every 1,000. Oh boy. All right. So, so 1.5 times. You are right. So he's going to get about 2300 <laughs> points roughly if, if yep. he made a million. So he will be in the top like 8 or so. All right, that concludes the math portion of this week's drop zone. Um, I mean, look, man, who are you going to kick off that list? Who are you going to include? If if uh, is Will Zalatoris really not going to be on this team? Is mm. uh, Webb Simpson possibly not going to be on this team? Things get be a really major tricky. winner. There's going to be a major winner who's not going to be on the team. Well, I know we haven't even gotten to Philip Mickelson, currently number seventeen on the list. Jason Kokrak so, probably thinks he deserves a chance. Yeah, he definitely, definitely does. Can you name all the multiple PGA Tour winners this season, Sean? Yeah, Kokrak, English, JT, Stuart Sink, and Bryson. Nice. Is that right? Well done. Yeah. It's just Justin Thomas won twice. I don't know. You said it so confidently that I just <laughs> I <know. laughs> went with it. Yeah. Um, either way, uh, that is the kind of season that makes Steve Stricker's job just horrendously tough. You know, all the guys that are in the top six that are guaranteed on points, all very good golfers, but all kind of distinctly 
have had really weird things happen to them this year. Dustin Johnson can't hit his driver. Bryson is just always Bryson. He, he kind of comes and goes. Uh, Morikawa really can't putt. Justin Thomas is probably putting worse than he ever has on tour. Brooks has got his his knee battles, and Xander doesn't win. So, like, you can just kind of poke holes in, in all these guys. Maybe that's the fun of it. Maybe that's the thing where you just, like, overanalyze what these guys will actually do for a late September chilly morning in Kohler, Wisconsin. Um, mm-hmm. But, but damn, someone's going to get their feelings hurt. It happens every time. Jordan Spieth was not on the last Ryder Cup team. He missed the team in 2018 that had to Paris, and he was sad about that. He's talked about how that kind of was a shock to his system. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, crap, I have not played good golf. Ricky Fowler, he has not played good golf. He knows that he's not going to be on this Ryder Cup team. Guys that were like stalwarts on these teams in the past, like it – I don't know. It's, it's not, not a foregone conclusion. It's, it's just not, especially right now. I'd like to issue a correction on behalf of the drop zone. Patrick Cantlay is the answer that we were looking for for that fifth name, multiple-time winner this mm. year. He won the Zozo, and he won technically the Memorial. Um, so apologies to to our listeners. But, yeah, I mean, I think that a guy like Ricky is a good example who seemed like, yes, he would just be on this team for forever – at one point in time, it felt like Keegan Bradley would just keep being on this team every year, but nothing lasts forever. The fact that Kevin Kisner has never worked his way onto this team, even though every year we see him in match play and think, man, that would be a good idea to have him on the Ryder Cup team. There's never actually a slot available for him. So, yeah, it's hard to make this Ryder Cup team. And maybe Harris English still won't, but right now he's making an awfully good case for himself, yeah. especially on tough golf courses. Other than that, kind of like for me, a little bit of a boring week of, of at least the men's golf scene. Like, Well, it's a letdown, right? It's a letdown coming off any major championship week to go even if – look, I think what the Travelers is doing is really maximizing um, what they've got. It's not an obviously – uh, crazy memorable piece of property there. You're in central Connecticut. Um, they've got an exciting few holes around the water there. It's a great spectator experience. They draw a really good field, but Brooks talked about it today. He tried to explain why he just can't get up for, for (laughs) non-majors. He said, it's all mental. It's tough to focus. I'm going to be honest. I can't focus a major. I get excited and I feel stuff on the first tee. I just struggled to do that in regular events. So I think if you as a fan feel similarly, then I can't blame you. Um, yeah. Well, and I just, think we, the, we need the, a break the women's event felt like it was, it was, it was more a milestone than it was a um, crazy tournament down the stretch. Um, there just wasn't that much back and forth. There were only two players that were in it at any point on Sunday. It was a two horse race. And then yeah. Nelly on the 12th hole immediately turned that into just a coronation. So it was a big weekend for um, for her spot in the golf world. It just, you know, wasn't that crazy a finish. Let's talk about our trip to Michigan, Sean. So the trip to Michigan was the final leg of a four-part travel series we put together. Hopefully, if you listen to this podcast, you checked it out online. There was an article and a video that corresponded to each of these trips 
shout out to the good people at Porsche who sponsored it and uh, yeah, really kind of set us on this like months long boondoggle. We went to Streamsong in Florida. We went to, to a couple of courses in the Augusta area or around the Masters. We went to the Bay Area for some of the best public golf, I think, in the country. And then we ended up in northern Michigan. Uh, you flew into a tiny airport in Traverse City. I drove up from Chicago. We had a coworker of ours, James Colgan, drive up from the Memorial. And we met at uh, what we continue to call like a summer camp, summer golf camp. Uh, mm-hmm. Forest Dunes is the place. It is in Roscommon, Michigan. Uh, and that probably doesn't stand out to you guys. There's like a thousand people who live in Roscommon. It's a village. And uh, you know what? That should not scare you off because it's a place. It's one of the coolest places I've visited in, in a really long time. So it has the original Forest Dunes course, which was originally a private golf course. It's become public. It is now number 73 in the top uh, 100 courses you can play in North America. And uh, that on its own is a very good golf course. I really enjoy it. Uh, kept in like pristine condition on its own, like very fun, stiff, tight Parkland wooded test. And then there's the reversible course that Tom Doak made years later. That is like a seminal experience that you can, you can't really get like many places around the entire globe. Like it is almost perfectly unique on its own. Uh, Definitely in terms of it's, 18 greens and it's all kinds of tee boxes all over the place and you it's called the loop and you play in one direction one day and you play it in the opposite direction the other day and I kept calling it Tom Doak's house of mirrors because you you end up looking backwards towards the tee every single hole you play like wait where's what where's the tee box why did we go this direction this way where's the bunker that I hit into yesterday it's pretty it's pretty incredible. If you're someone that doesn't have a great sense of direction, I, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't feel like I map things very well. Like if I walk somewhere, I'm not immediately like sure where I've been. This place will throw you for a loop because you see what I did there? Throw nice. you for a loop. Really good. Um because you, yeah, you're going to play a hole the second day and you will have just forgotten about the whole loop thing. And then you'll be walking along. You see a bunker that wasn't really in your line of play that hole. And then you turn around and you look back and you're like, Oh, right. I played that hole yesterday going the other direction. And instead of the third hole, it was the 15th hole. And there was that crazy green and, and da 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 da. And it's cool. I mean, it's just a, it's just a great way to go to a place and turn one golf course into two golf courses add a dimension of adventure i would say turn yourself into a little bit of a golf course architect put your put your architect's hat on and sean just anytime i get to fly into a small airport like traverse city (laughs) something with a just a handful of gates i'm just a happy boy so we had a nice time we i guess part of the reason why i called it summer golf camp and you did too and is because you will you will actually learn every single round you play up there something about golf course architecture. I personally learned just a lot about what the green depths, how that matters, the ang- like the the angle that a green even plays 
uh, to or from the fairway, all, how that stuff matters based off of the length of the hole, the generally the par of the hole, like the way a green is situated because they move tee boxes all over the place. That's what's kind of beautiful is that the entire property is so wide open. You can, you probably will play with one or two golf balls and won't have a hard time finding your golf balls, even if you sprayed a little bit. And it is inherently that way because you need to play in both directions. You need to have space everywhere. You need to have space around each green for a tee box that's very close nearby. And so they'll, they'll move tees all over the property. There's no actual like defined teeing grounds the superintendent will just go plop up <clears throat> the superintendent will just go plop in the uh the single tee marker from anywhere that he thinks is flat enough to hit a tee shot from if there's flat ground <clears throat> let's play here today if there's flat ground over on the other side of the green let's play from there tomorrow or two days from now when we actually have to loop in this direction again uh that will make you think about approach shots playing into greens uh, in certain ways, how greens receive shots, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. It, it's impossible not to think that way. Well, and it's a reminder too, the the tee marker thing was big for me in reminding that some of the stuff, some of the trappings of golf are actually not what makes it hard and challenging. Like the fact that you have to tee up your ball behind those two perfect ball markers every time instead of like three inches ahead that doesn't actually do anything to make the hole easier or harder. Um, it just, well, and that's so easily that screwed up. It is so easily you, you screwed up. Totally and so here up. to just have like a flag in the ground, in the general teeing area, you know, that kind of simplifies the idea of like, yeah, um, we're just going to play in, in a forward direction from here. And then, yeah. uh, we're going to go and you're going to have to hit a really good tee shot and a really good approach shot. There are only so many reversible courses in the world, <laughs> honestly. I mean, there there's one called St. Andrews that everybody really knows. They used to play it both ways. Now it's often played in, in one direction. I think on a very rare occasion, they will play St. Andrews reversibly, maybe like once a day. Mm -hmm. I think it's um, once a year, yeah, something like that. Yeah, once a day. Once One day every once year. Once a day. Uh, there is a reversible course that's, different um at sylvie's valley ranch uh which is slightly different i think they have 27 greens mm. which so like it's i've been told it's an extremely different experience than what you yeah, get we've got to get at, there at the loop we do have to get there definitely will get there but what is uh what's cool is that i, I was explaining it to someone this week and it's like i think tom doak did a really really incredible thing here um, and I think he could have even like improved things. He, I don't think he absolutely perfected it. I think he made a really, really great, uh, reversible golf course. And I think if he were to do it again, he'd probably learn some things. He could maybe even make it better. There's only maybe so great. You can make a reversible golf course cause you have two courses in mind. <laughs> um, and it's hard to make both of them phenomenal. I think it's really, 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 really really good it's ranked in the top 40 top 100 courses you can play but i was just thinking the other day like you know what some of those holes don't make all the sense uh that's why i don't know i guess i was thrilled to see yeah. that like okay this is our first this is our kind of our starter kit for reversible golf courses in america something that hopefully will catch on 
and there's improvement, like there's room to go up from here. <laughs> you didn't absolutely ace the test, maybe A minus. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice piece of property in some ways. It's nice sandy ground, um, but it's it sort of has the feel of putting a reversible links course in flat ground in the middle of the forest in northern Michigan. Um, so I think there's certainly some challenges there that don't make it as spectacular as some of the other places that, you know, we get spoiled enough to play. Um, I don't, I mean, is this a good idea? <laughs> like big picture? Yeah. Are you convinced by the reversible golf course as an I'm entity? I'm completely convinced. Completely. Think about the property. They start with the, with one course, Forest Dunes. And again, we've discussed this many times in order to compete with golf resorts across the country and across the world, you can't have one golf course. You need more than one. So they bring in Tom Doak, guy who lives in Traverse City. Hey, you are the local. You're a great, great architect. We want you to make something here. He's like, why don't I make you two courses? Make it in one. Like, it is just such a definitive uh, reason to go there and then play the other really good course there, play the short course there. It's like, it's, it's something I think resorts should definitely take seriously. Um, because you automatically just end up racking up people's rounds. Um, you end up racking up the stay and play packages. People stay for three or four days to play the course both ways to play the forest dunes course 18 holes a day, you're going to spend some time there. I think it's a, it's something that needs to be considered by a lot of these resorts with a lot of space. All right. You heard it here first. And then also just shout out to Michigan. My God. Peak of summer. Get up to Michigan, western edge of the eastern time zone. It's light till like 930. Yeah, I'm Warm. in Michigan right now. Oh, I didn't know you are in Michigan. What are you doing there, Sean? You want to tease it out for the people? Uh, we're covering the John Shippen I guess it's, I think the event's called the John Shippen. It's basically an invitational tournament for the best African-American golfers in the country uh, for men and women to get, uh, well, obviously to, to raise the profile of the best African-American golfers, but also to give them uh, the winners spots in the this week's PGA uh, Rocket Mortgage Challenge and um, – the women's event, the Dow Lakes team event, um, in Michigan later this year. So it's like, uh, it's the perfect event to take place in Detroit where like the black golf scene was once uh, a really like shining light because of Joe Lewis. And he used to bring the best black golfers in America here to the Detroit area to play in the, I think it was the Joe Lewis open or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of like it harkens back to that. It, it comes at a time when golf needs needs diversity and needs to prop up, you know, other just aspects of the game, other people who are playing this game, other people who deserve to, to be shown playing this game. So it'll be a cool event. That's what I'm here to cover tomorrow. Uh, kind of check that out. And uh, then I'm going to jump down to Inverness in Toledo and see what the uh, Solheim – cup horse host course is going to look like when that, that nice. event's coming up really soon so you're playing some golf i am unfortunately just flying a drone i am not oh, any golf sorry which is fine sorry to I, you know what I, I i played golf this weekend with my shirt off for about 12 holes 
Yeah, up Go in the Wisconsin, on. up in the Wisconsin Dells. We uh, it was a bachelor party. We got absolutely poured on, but we had a, a bunch of people who really wanted to play golf. We had a group of twenty four, so we got out there, got poured on, wow. and we're like, we're like, why are we playing golf with our shirts on? There's no one else on the golf course because no one else would be crazy enough to play in the rain. And so we just took our shirts off, and you know what? The course didn't do anything about it. They were serving <laughs> us drinks. They were cool with it. Um, and then the sun came out, and it was gorgeous, and we got a little sun on the old back. So I would endorse whatever uh, Ricky and JT and Spieth and Smiley did with their shirts off. Like That type of golf might be my new favorite type of golf. All right. The Bahamas, the Wisconsin Dells. More in common than we would have thought. 24 <laughs> people is an absolutely unwieldy number for a bachelor party. So respect <laughs> to uh, to your buddy. Congrats to the, the happy couple. Oh, my gosh. It was way too much. Let's just, let's just say that the seven-hour drive from the Wisconsin Dells to Detroit was not an easy one today. But we are here <laughs> podcasting for the people. And we've reached the 42-minute mark. I think that's probably good enough for the. I'm uh, excited that you're there to cover the John Ship, and I'm excited to read about it um, on Golf.com in the next couple days. So, so I think that that's great. I'm excited for Nelly Corda, Sean, and uh, and for the people of Connecticut that they got to watch golf until you know the sun went down, the cows came home, all that good stuff. Um, there's an there's a s'mores martini. It sounds just like a despicable thing to drink if you're anywhere besides, you know, a, a little beach resort. So I've got my eyes on that once I finish up a couple more stories. And, uh, yeah, I'll check back in from here later this week, Sean. Sean.